Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast by Granite Creek Studios. I'm Joshua Kapczynski, your curator for today. And today's episode, we'll be talking about Jordan Peterson's uh, book, Beyond Order, chapter number four. And this rule for his life is notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has abdicated. Meaning that there is there's opportunity, there's potential um, in in your life, in your in your workplace, in relationships. Um, when somebody basically has dropped the ball, or where if they have uh, turned a blind eye to a task or something like that. So there's opportunity waiting for us as long as we're. Um, awake to notice it and if we notice it it begs the question uh if we're noticing something that needs that needs attention uh are we meant to take that on so part of um his illustration jordan's illustration in this in this chapter is fun and fascinating and it's a bit of a um it's going to be a i'm going to have to to flesh it out in order to make the connection, but um, growing up, I, I I loved and I was fascinated uh, with the story of Peter Pan. Peter Pan uh, obviously was a a Disney movie that I loved as a as a child, and I loved the ride at Disneyland. Uh, it's so magical, and it was the first actual play that I saw. Uh, my grandparents got me tickets to see Peter Pan at the Pantages, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and and in many ways, I identified uh, with the magical little boy, the um, the eternal youth. I just I thought he was fun. I loved that he fought bad guys, and I loved the fact um, that he didn't grow up or he didn't want to grow up and uh, I definitely did not want to grow up as a child and I could say I still don't want to grow up but you kind of have to Uh, later in life I realized that uh, I was suffering from Peter Pan syndrome so I was a grown man but I did not want to take on responsibility I didn't want to leave the house I didn't want to get married Uh, I didn't 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 want any responsibility and in retrospect, I could say that there was a lot of opportunity uh, that I missed out on because uh, I wasn't awake and, and people were abdicating their responsibilities. And if I, if I was just self-aware, if I was just a little more conscious, uh, I could have stepped into some very influential and powerful opportunities. And I believe that God placed those opportunities in my life um, and I missed some of them. Some of them I got, but some of them I, I missed. When I was in the museum industry, uh, the, I guess it's the best thing you call it. I don't know if you call it a business because there was no money to be had. But when I was a, a curator of a museum uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, and then also specifically in Santa Barbara, uh, our director put on an exhibit uh, with the original manuscript uh, from Barry's Peter Pan. And in addition to that, 
um, I I had um, the costume sketches from the very first Peter Pan play. So it was a great exhibit because we were able to curate the the written document, the written word alongside graphics. And I absolutely loved it. So my point in telling you why I love Peter Pan is that I identified with Peter Pan. And I think I kind of got the story wrong initially. Now, the story is it's the it's the magical little boy that doesn't want to grow up. And that's actually the 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 tagline or the subtitle. Uh, Peter Pan, the boy that never grew up. And so I, in, in you know, hearing the story and leaning into the story, it seems like, or at least the way that I interpreted it, is that growing up is bad, so therefore don't grow up. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to become, you don't want to become an adult. You don't, you definitely don't want to become Captain Hook. And so um, this is going to play into uh, Jordanson's theme on rule number four. Once again, uh, notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. Now, um, we're not going to be talking about Peter Pan abdicating his responsibility. We're going to talk about the fact that he missed opportunity because he didn't want to grow up. Okay. So, um, First little point in this book is just to make yourself invaluable um, in your work environment. So how how do you? I think it's fascinating that he uses the 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 workplace as as illustration. So there's opportunity whether we realize it or not in our places of employment, and there there's opportunities because in every work environment, somebody has dropped the ball. Somebody has decided not to to do a task that they did not deem important. And if you are if you noticed that a task has been dropped or you know something that maybe you think is important that's not being done anymore um or has never been done and and you take it upon yourself to do that without being asked without being prompted, um, just automatically taking on that issue, maybe clocking it or before you clock in, do something that you weren't asked to do, get there early, leave late. Um, there, you know, we don't need Jordan Peterson to tell us this, but that's, that's how you move ahead. That's how you get um, favor. That's how you get recognition. Now I know that not all no not everything that you do uh it gets noticed and I know that um not everything you know whenever you do go the extra mile you might not be praised you you might not be um um compensated if you will but I we do know that that attitude of of seeing a problem and then fixing the problem and again it's not it's not on your job description. It does make a, a marked difference. Now, what's interesting about it is uh, if you're thinking to yourself, well, uh, I was not told to, to do it, but I see the need, so I'm, and I did the need. Um, the interesting part is, is if, you, um, if you find yourself drawn to a task and you do it, 
because you view it as important, maybe you were designed to do that task regardless. Now, I know that there's some tasks that just aren't fun that you don't want to do them, but it needs to get done. You know, somebody needs to scrape the gum off the carpet and it's bugging you, so you scrape the gum off, off the carpet. But it is interesting that, you know, if you that motivation for you scraping the gum off of the carpet is instilled inside of you, if it annoys you when you walk by, well, that is a specific gifting that that you're bringing to the workplace or the, the church environment or whatever, what have you. Um, so if it's drawn to your attention, then maybe you're called to fix that problem. So that's a, that's an interesting note. And inside of uh, inside of church life, I, you know, you know, me being a pastor, um, pastors wear many hats. We've, you know, I'm juggling many balls, and you have to. I, I, I don't. Know, some people can do it differently, but I just think that um, a, a senior pastor has to be uh, the uh, jack of all traits and master at some. Um, so there's not. You got to be able to do to be the the CEO. You got to be able to be the the spiritual guru. You've got to be the bookkeeper. There's all these different roles. You get to be a counselor, um, and and so yeah, most pastors have their hands full. Now, what's interesting is that um, when somebody comes to me uh, with a ministry idea, and they say, you know, Pastor Josh, I I think that the church uh, really needs to do a uh, homeless cat outreach. So we need to minister to lost cats. And uh, I think you, that you should do this. So like, I have no desire to rescue cats. I don't even like cats. I like one cat. I like my cat. The, I got two other cats. I don't like them at all. So I'm not even a cat person. And, but in this person's mind, they think that I need to start a cat ministry. Because it's a good thing. And yeah, rescuing cats is a good thing, but I'm not called to that. I don't want to do that. But what they're really highlighting is is that they should do that ministry. So just because it needs to get done and they have a passion for it, uh, in in essence, they're abdicating um, their will to do it. They know that it needs to get done. But in all reality, God is the one that's calling them to do it. He's calling them to do that special ministry. And so, yeah, it's um, um. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you a specific one, uh, Pastor Josh. We need to, we need to call a, um, you, or you need to call a special day of of mourning and prayer for you know this disaster in, I don't know, pick your country these days, Ukraine, Tanzania, uh, Israel, and yeah, that would be a good thing, uh, um, you know, a day of prayer. Uh, for you know a disaster or a war or something, and sometimes my response is, "That's a great idea." Um, when do you want to start it? <laughs> so it's just as soon as I push it, push their bright idea back on them that maybe they're the ones that ought to lead it. Um, things change rapidly. So uh, the point is, is that there are certain things, there are tasks that are important that need to get done. And maybe you're the one that should do it. And so it, make yourself invaluable uh, in a ministry setting. Make yourself invaluable at, a, at, at your workplace. And when you do, you know, what you actually um, 
what you actually begin to build, you, you begin to build some rapport. Uh, you begin to build favor, uh, both the favor of man and the favor of God. And so you'll, you'll build the favor of man if you have a good boss. They'll, they'll notice. Your coworkers will notice. Uh, you might annoy some of your coworkers at times, but they'll notice if you're, making your, if you're choosing to make yourself invaluable. But more importantly, what it does for you is that you are, in essence, uh, killing small dragons. You're doing something that you don't want to do, but you know that it needs to get done. And when we do hard things, um, it makes us it makes us better. And it actually prepares us to kill bigger dragons. So Peterson is so annoying at times because he's beating this drum of personal responsibility and of doing hard things. I don't know about you, but if I had the choice between ease and uh, doing something difficult, I would rather I would much rather do something that's easy. But from his perspective, as a clinical psychologist, when we choose to do things that are easy over things that are difficult, inevitably life gets harder. Um, his second point is uh, uh, the. Excuse me. The responsibility of of meaning meaning is important, um, but he has this point also on uh, happiness. This is his fifth point. I'm skipping to happiness and responsibility. So I like to be happy. Um, being happy is a lot better than being sad, and inside of our um, American DNA in our mantra in in who we are, our national identity in our constitution. We have it listed and printed, and we we quote it, we say it, is it is our navigable right and and our pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So Thomas Jefferson is saying that as an American, you you have the right to pursue happiness. And that's all good and fine. Um, and like I said, I want to be happy. happy. Being happy is better than being sad. But I think that this American ideal of, of happiness as our ultimate goal is, is probably been detrimental to us. Um, because we have, we, we, it's easy to replace um, happiness uh, with over responsibility. And if happiness is our only goal, then we will abdicate our responsibilities. So hopefully, hopefully you can see that. So um, the biblical perspective, you know, God says, I, I, God, Jesus didn't say, I've come that you may be happy. Uh, he said, I, I've come that you may live life and live it to the fullness. And so uh, the kingdom of God is not the kingdom of Disneyland. It is not the happily ever after. It is um, taking up responsibility and living the full life. And so what Peterson 
hashes out, what the Bible hashes out, because he connects all this stuff to biblical stuff, is that um, the hard life is the meaningful life. And, God, this is, hopefully I can get this out in, in a way that's not depressing. Um, and that, and that life, <laughs> that life is suffering. And that, that is definitely not the, um, the prosperity gospel message, uh, that life is suffering. And then he will frame out also that every major religion deals with this theme of suffering. And so Jesus himself, in Buddhism, you know, you know, life literally states that life is suffering, and it, you know the Buddhist path is to just to alleviate suffering to our our best to the best abilities, um, finding the way uh, in the way of Christianity. Um, Jesus even states in this in this life you will have suffering, so he does not promise us happiness. Jesus basically promises us suffering. Um, but then he adds to that, but he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. So we need to lean into difficult and, and hard situations and knowing that fulfillment doesn't come from happiness. Because happiness is a right here, right now, momentary hit, one a momentary um, um, dopamine spike, and you only have it for a moment, and it's really artificial to try to conjure it up. But fulfillment and life comes from going through the process of doing difficult things. Okay, so the picture behind me illustrates this is, this issue. Uh, Joel, what's the guy's name again? Sisyphus. Okay, so Sisyphus was cursed uh, by the gods to push this rock up the hill. Um, this is where psychologists also get the illustration for um, the existential problems of life, meaning that there's this this existential experience that the only meaning and the only purpose of life is to experience life in its whole. And so you're just pushing the rock up the hill, and then it's just going to roll down. Um, so Peterson gets a little existential. I guess you could say the Bible gets a little existential, but there's also meaning and purpose to how the scriptures unfold um, what are experience on this planet should be. And so Sisyphus is pushing the rock up the hill and then it rolls down and then he's, you know, he's got to wake up and push up the rock up the hill and he's doing, he has to do it over and over and over again all throughout eternity. That's his meaning. That's his depressing purpose is pushing the rock up the hill. Now for our purposes, uh, we will, we need to see that that pushing the rock, that pushing something is better than not pushing anything at all. And so if we're, if we're not pushing um, something, it's, it's not good. But the, the point that, that we need to make and that we all need to get 
is that you need to push something for a purpose. So you're not only pushing the rock so you're not just sitting around doing nothing, but you're also pushing the rock for a purpose. And gosh, finding finding one's purpose and finding um finding the 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 responsibility and meaning of what we do, well, that that's just a that's just a tricky thing. And there's a definition of hell because I know that um, you know, some of us have got jobs and some of us have got careers and we need to pay the bills. Um and we do know if you've been living life, you you should know that difficulty is necessary. Uh, well, it's it's part of life. Difficulty is a part of life. Peterson will say that difficulty is necessary for growth. Um, he will use the illustration of games. So we are. It isn't in our nature to play games. We love to play games, uh, but they're not fun if they're not hard. So games have got to have a challenge. There's got to be a difficult um, um, aspect to it. Oh, something to overcome. Um, okay, so uh, this responsibility of meaning and you know, life is, is suffering. That's no, that's no fun. Um, but in all religions and in most philosophies, but for our purposes. We'll we'll take a look at the the, the Christian uh, idea of meaning and purpose. In that there is, Jesus calls it the narrow road. So there's a narrow path that we have to to take. Um, Buddha says that there you know um, there's a narrow way, or there's a narrow there's a there's a there's a greater wheel and a lesser wheel, and we need to you know there's a couple of different paths that you can go on. But the path is kind of small. So Jesus says that 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 narrow is the road and and small is the door, and there's a gate. And it's um and for for some when you when you hear Jesus say narrow is the road and few find it, it it kind of seems like Jesus is a bad guy. He's kind of a mean guy, but not really. In in, in um in the bigger scheme of things, and if we've done a little bit of life. We know that the things that matter most, the things that we need to focus on, the things that, that have meaning, well, it's it's very it's very focused. And so when Jesus is saying narrow is the road and 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 the door is is, a, is small, if you can get in through the door, what he's saying is that it requires it requires focus. Cause there is a mark, there is a hole, there is a there's a there's a a, um, a specific hole that we need to jump in. There's a mark that we need to hit. And if we're not hitting that mark, um, the archery term is that we're sinning. And so, um, you know, maybe you haven't committed a major sin lately that that's an obvious sin. But the way that Jesus would frame it out and uh, Peterson would agree is that if we're not getting towards a focused meaningful purpose in what we're doing, if we're not um, seeking a greater good in the way that we live our life and, and even what we do with what we've been given, if we're not 
if there's not a big picture and a bigger meaning to what we're doing, um, then in, in essence, uh, it, it's sin. Okay. So that's a huge mind shift because maybe, you know, um, I've done some menial jobs that, that have sucked. And I was like, I, I never want to, I never want to clean out used refrigerators ever again in my entire life. Like I need to go to counseling for that. Um, and it was a job. I did not like doing it. I did not want to do it. Um, but in you know, in the end, like doing that hard, nasty, nasty thing, um, it prepared me to do things that are going to be harder in life. And so, um, I can redeem that horrible situation and, and say, okay, like cleaning out that that you know that that box that made me want to heave, well, that, that made me a harder person. And so overall, there was a big purpose to it and, and giving me the ability to do harder things. Um, and so what is, what, what would be your, what would be your ultimate goal that you want to hit? So if you're pushing a rock up a hill, uh, do you know where the rock is going? And that's what Jordan Peters is going to say. He's like, you need to know that um, you're pushing this rock up the hill. You need to have a specific um, hole that that rock is eventually going to fall into. So it needs to have a purpose. It needs to have a goal. So what is your goal? And you got to hit your goal. And here's another hard thing is that we have to risk something that actually matters. Now, let me let me circle back to Peter Pan. How does Peter Pan fit into this whole thing? Because he didn't want to. He didn't want to grow up. And one of the reasons why he didn't want to grow up is because he didn't want to turn into Captain Cook. So Captain Cook, um, he is the opposite of Peter Pan. Uh, not only is he an adult, uh, not only is he leading an organization, and he's, he's the captain of a ship, but he's also, um, he's also represents the tyrannical father. So he's heavy handed. Uh, he's oppressive. Uh, he's controlling. He's mean. And um, it, it's just, yeah, that's not, that's not the goal that you want to hit. And so Peter's saying to himself, Peter Pan is saying to himself, I don't want to grow up because I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the hook. That in and of itself is the right impulse. And that's why when I'm identifying with this story, I'm thinking, yeah, it's not good to grow up. Peter Pan represents uh, eternal youth, but he also represents... Um, untapped potential so everything inside of him has got untapped potential for the future but he never uses it because he doesn't choose to grow up um he's got major problems you know not growing up major relationship problems he's got a bunch of boys that also don't want to grow up he's got the lost boys that he hangs out continually with and and they don't want to they don't want to, well, some of them want to grow up too, but they're all having a good time. They're not taking responsibility. And the tragedy of the story is of Peter Pan's love interest, which is Wendy. 
and Wendy respects and loves Peter Pan. She loves the adventurous spirit. She loves that, you know, he is, he is potential that he has um, the ability to t- take risk and to do fun things and to go on adventures. And so she loves the imagination of him. Um, and she plays along. But the tragedy is, is that Wendy chooses to grow up and she leaves Peter Pan. She leaves Peter Pan with Tinkerbell. And Tinkerbell, well, it's kind of hard to fall in love with fairies. So Tinkerbell basically doesn't exist. She's an imaginary girl. She's not a real girl. Wendy's the, the real girl that got away. And um, Wendy illustrates to us that not only should you grow up, but you can grow up and you can do it the right way. You can grow up and not be a Captain Hook. And so that's the real that's that's the real meaning of the story. And so there's two tragedies, or there's two um, you know tragic figures in Peter Pan. One, there's Peter Pan, the boy that never grew up, and two, there's Captain Hook, uh, the boy that grew up that became a tyrant. But the victory is in in Wendy that grew up, took on responsibility, and somehow she maintained. Um, this fascination with being a child, and um, so I that is a that, that's a powerful biblical statement because in order for us as adults to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we must have a childlike faith, and yet at the same time we are. Uh, called to be mature believers that are not tossed back and forth on all the crazy waves. And so, um, yeah, it's a bit of a balance of both. You have to have a childlike faith. You have to have this wonder. Um, but at the same time, um, God's calling us to spiritual maturity. And so Wendy's able to find this balance of living in the adult world, but still having this, uh, this aspect of... Um, Tapping into Never Neverland. Um, okay. Now, why should we? Why should we choose to grow up? And again, I, I fully admit I had Peter Pan syndrome. I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to take responsibility for anything. I just wanted to have fun. Um, I wanted to be. I wanted to be happy. Now, again. Everybody wants to be happy. I want to be happy, but fulfillment doesn't come in doesn't come in the form of happiness. Fulfillment comes in the form of of growth and maturity and forcing ourselves to do hard things so that we become better people. So the great the great illustration that we have in real life is um when Kids have a hard time leaving high school. Uh, I don't know if this happens these days, but uh, when I was a when I was a, a junior in high school, we were hanging out with this certain guy, and he was a cool guy. And then when I became a senior, uh, this this guy that had now graduated, he would come and hang out with us at lunch and flirt with the girls, and he just he couldn't leave 
high school and he was hanging out with us uh, in the quad for a while until the proctors noticed and they kicked him out. And then he would hang out and wait for, for everybody to leave school at the end, in the parking lot. And initially it was kind of cool that he still wanted to hang out with the high school kids. But then eventually it kind of got a little sad and a little, you know, a little pathetic. You know, he ended up dating a couple of the girls. And so there was a little bit of animosity. He's like, you know, why is this older guy coming and, and swooping in on the girls that we want to date? And, and so he was doing that. So we, we obviously didn't like him for that reason, but we also didn't respect him. At one time we did respect him because, you know, he was, he was party boy. He was Peter Pan. Um, but when we were ready to move on and he wasn't, we, we ultimately lost respect for this individual. And so, um, he got, he got stuck, um, pushing a rock up a hill that wasn't going anywhere. And that's, that's the danger of, of being Peter Pan that doesn't want to grow up. You're pushing a rock up the hill that doesn't, that doesn't go anywhere. Um, so this is what the direct quote from Peterson, uh, discipline yourself. All right. So you don't want to grow up. Uh, you don't want to do hard things. You don't want to, you don't want to do tasks that nobody else is doing. You know, you, you, maybe you see the opportunity, but you don't want to do it. This is what Peterson will say. And maybe Jesus would say this too. Discipline yourself or suffer the consequences. Um, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty tough statement. I know. I'm glad he said it and not me. So diff- discipline yourself or suffer the consequences. Uh, and, and what consequences are we talking about that could be so bad? Like if we don't want to grow up, because again, being a boy forever and not taking responsibility, that's awesome. Like I, that's what I want to do. I actually want I wanted to do that today. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to take any responsibility for anything right now. Uh, but so what would be the consequences if we, if we don't leave never, never land? Um, all right, let me remind you of what I said earlier and what the philosophers have said and all the religious gurus have said. It's a consistent theme is that life is suffering. And, uh, what they don't tell you in never, never land because it's never, never land in the real world. Um, uh, lost boys that don't grow up, they're still going to suffer. So in this world, we're all going to suffer. So um, suffering without any meaning is literally hell on earth. So um, I've suffered, you know, here and there. And like suffering, suffering sucks. Uh, I said that, not Peterson. Suffering sucks. And I've suffered for things that had absolutely no meaning and no purpose. And that's just downright depressing. But there's been other instances in my life where I've suffered for things that had meaning and that had purpose and that were worth sacrificing for that were worth uh, 
doing something hard for. Um, some of them were, were paid off and some of them didn't. But I know that all of that suffering was not in vain. And that is what Jesus is saying. In this life, you will suffer. But take heart if you're trying to, to get through that door, if you have this narrow focus. Um, take heart, I've overcome the world. And he gives us these promises. One final little uh, illustration here, and I'll wrap it up, is that the Bible actually tells the Peter Pan story. He tells the Peter Pan story in the person of the founder of the faith, Father Abraham, was basically Peter Pan. And so this ought to be encouraging to anyone listening, no matter what stage of life that you're in. So the founder of our faith, uh, of all of the world's great religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, uh, like the, the big major three there. Abraham is he is on the pinnacle of respect because he's the one that started it all. Abraham had full-blown Peter Pan syndrome, and he did not want to grow up. He didn't need to grow up. Um, usually in biblical stories that we see on TV or maybe even the way that we read and interpret the Bible, we think that Abraham was like this poor shepherd with raggedy clothes and he was living out in the desert and eating, you know, eating locusts. That was not Abraham. He came from the, the cradle of civilization at the apex of culture and society. And from what, what we can deduce, um, exegesisly and, and, you know, when we read the text and when we look at things historically and archaeologically, and when we understand the culture of, of that time, like it was, it was, it was at the height of culture. And so, um, Abraham was a spoiled rich kid. He had everything that he needed and he was, you know, most likely he wasn't even, he didn't even live in a tent. He probably lived in a really, really nice house. And his father, Tara, was taking care of him. He lived in luxury until he was 75 years old. And when God called him into an adventure, into doing something hard. And he called him into a purpose. He gave him a rock to push that had huge meaning for not only his life, but for all humanity. And... Abraham got outside the boat. He um, um, he left Never Neverland, and he ventured into into a world that was hard, and into a season uh, full of famine and death and family problems. Uh, uh, you know the very promise that he was supposed to have a bunch of kids that wasn't panning out. There's a lot of things that went wrong with Abraham. And the reason why he's the father of the faith is because in the midst of some very difficult things, he never gave up. Uh, he never went he never went back to Never Neverland. Now he did make some he did make some Peter Pan mistakes. He made some very um immature, irresponsible decisions. He did a lot of lying, he did a lot of fibbing, he he acted immature in a lot of different areas. But eventually he got it, and he did hard things that had a meaning and that had a purpose, 
and he understood that this this calling that he had that if he didn't do it you know, then he wouldn't have been fulfilled and it probably wouldn't have I don't know it probably would have gotten done he would have picked somebody else but okay well there we go um Abraham found an opportunity to basically start an entire nation, an entire people, an entire religious system um, because it, the opportunity was there. It wasn't easy, but he did it. And so I'll, gonna, I'll close with this. Discipline yourselves or, or, or suffer the consequences. Um, you know, things are going to get hard one way or the other. They might as well be hard with God. When, when life is hard and you have God in your life, there's a lot of hope there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there because we're able to see things that we wouldn't normally see. And I'll also, I'll also close with this. So I, I, wanna, I want you to think opportunistically. It's like, okay, uh, I see these problems. I can do these problems. I can, uh, I can do hard things for the benefit of myself and for a higher purpose and a higher meaning. So you can do that. The other side of the thing is that you don't want to be the individual uh, where somebody um, uh, takes advantage of you because you've 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 abdicated your role, you've abdicated uh, your position, you've abdicated your meaning. Um, God can restore you if you get shattered to pieces. Um, if you find yourself going in a lot of different directions and pieces are falling through the cracks that are important, but you're just like, you just don't do them anymore. You don't want to do them anymore. And maybe somebody has come in and taken your job away from you. Um, be of good cheer, even though that you've, you've had your eyes closed and you didn't have your guard up. Uh, God can restore what the locusts have stolen. Uh, even if you've abdicated your position, you've abdicated your stuff, you've abdicated your your job, your authority, um, God can um, reopen your eyes and real realign yourself to your purpose, and you can, in essence, uh, do what Jesus does and be born again into a new life. So. I want to. I want to encourage uh, both people that are looking for opportunity and people that have lost because of apathy. God can restore you. And with that, I'll end. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening or watching the Art of Faith podcast. I'll see you next time. Peace.